Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and with me, I got Lola and Kay. And today, we got a good episode of Heat vs. The World headed your way. And you know what? I'm going to say it like this. This pod is definitely starting off in a much better way than the last pod went because y'all know how we was feeling. You know, we was just coming off with that terrible loss against Atlanta in the play-in. But since then, the Heat beat Chicago, and they went to the they, they advanced to the playoffs, and now they're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. And in case y'all missed it, last night the Heat went into Milwaukee and took Game One, led by a legendary performance like Jimmy Butler as usual, thirty five points, eleven assists, along with I think it was what fifteen to twenty seven from the field. I don't remember the exacts, but the man had a great game overall, and y'all know what that man does in the playoffs. Not only that, but you had other guys step up for the Heat, guys like Bam Adebayo, who had like a quiet first half, but really stepped it up in the second, along with Kevin Love, who not only was getting it done on offense, hitting a lot of good threes for us, but also with the defense by getting constantly hit with them offensive fouls and stuff, really showing what that Heat culture is about. And overall, man, like it was just a really good game. Now, Obviously, there was a low in it with Tyler Hero's injury, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, I just think for Miami to go in and take game one the way that they did was great. Because, you know what, the thing is, is that obviously with Milwaukee being, you know, off the floor for all this this time and, you know, being, I guess, being somewhat rusty, people thought that maybe the Heat would be able to have a run for a bit, but then Milwaukee would come in and take the win. But nah, Miami did what they had to do, and they were able to take a 1-0 lead in this series. And that's what's good for the squad. And you know what? While a lot of people did having the Heat go home in five games, I don't think people expected us to throw the first punch in this series. So that's another reason why I'm happy about this win. But all of that aside, like, I just want to know how you guys are feeling because I was not expecting the type of game that we saw last night where we basically led for, like, 98% of the game. So, like, how are we feeling and what's your emotions about this right now? And, you know, I know the Tyler Hero injury, like I mentioned, we'll talk about that later. But that aside, because I know that's on a lot of people's mind, like, what's y'all take on this win specifically, though? We'll start off with you, Lola. My bad. Um, I'm feeling really good about the win. I saw a lot of effort, just like the last game, especially on the defensive end. Like everyone was locked in, and ev- the communication was really good. And offensively, like Jimmy led, um, Jimmy led, and everyone followed. Like shooting was really good. Like Max was out there shooting like he was last time. Kevin Love provided so much help. Like, thank God for Kevin Love because I did not, like, I'm not going to, I did not expect him to have this much impact in the playoffs. And he was everything for us last night, taking charges, shooting, like everything. And, um, yeah, all the other role players, Caleb too, like Caleb showed up, you know, um, Tyler showed up until he got injured, but. Even Bam, yes, Bam struggled at the beginning, and this was there was a lot of discourse on that on the timeline, and I'm sure like we'll get more into it later on. But I'm so glad that he figured it out in the second half, and like you know, by having like his teammates find him in spots where he could be effective, they did a way better job of that in the second half. And he was like in his head way too much in the first half, but he figured, he figured it out and. He was one of the reasons we were able to maintain the lead at the end. So, if anything, he was just as impactful in this game, and he did really well on the defensive side. And I think the right. only key is going forward is, like, trying to contain Middleton because he kind of got anything he wanted. Um, and also, like, trying to contain Bobby, Bobby Portis, and then whatever Giannis does. But that's all I have for now. 
Exactly. And, you know, I couldn't agree any more about Chris Middleton because the dude pisses me off every time he takes the floor. Like, I'm going to say it how it is. And, you know, it was game one in 2021 where we knew exactly what happened near the end of that game. I'm not going to go into details about it because, you know, it, it was, it's too ugly to explain. But, you know, even though he had 30, the fact that we were still able to get the win is, you know, I know is what pleases everyone. So, but I do agree. Like, they need to shut that man down. Because out of anyone on this team that could come out and potentially cook us, I just hate the idea of him being the guy to do just that. I don't care if he's an all-star. I don't care what he is. I do not want Chris Middleton to be the guy that cooks our team. I just do not care. I do not care about the talent. Screw all of that. I do not want to see Chris Middleton be that guy. But, Kay, how about you, though? I'll start with the last thing first. Um, and, now I, and that's why, and, and I get it, because Chris Middleton can absolutely beat you. But I'll take it back and I'll frame it this way. I saw a question on Twitter where it was like, who is, you know, I, I'm not, I can't quote the question, I guess, but it, I guess it was getting to who is most clutch. Chris Middleton or Demi Butler, right? And it's like, listen, I can I, I see why you can make an argument for Chris Middleton because he's made some really big shots in big moments. You look at the playoff moment against us, making the shot to win the game, an example. And I mean, he's cold. Like when he shoot that jumper, it's the same form every time. So it's dependable. However, just by nature of the fact alone that his superpower is the outside shot, I think that makes what he does when he's playing at his highest form a little bit more volatile than any other superstar. This is not just saying Jimmy Butler here because this ain't that. And you'll see what I'm getting to in a second. So perhaps, and 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 maybe there's a reason why Chris Middleton tends to shine when he plays the Miami Heat because perhaps the Miami Heat are saying, if he's going to beat us from out there, we have to take that chance to keep Drew Holiday out of the paint, getting those little runners or turnaround jump shots right over the top of Gabe. And we have to keep Giannis right from in front of the hoop. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case, but there may be some of that going on because there's always like a lapse of coverage in the rotation or he always seems to have an optimal matchup. I mean, you look back to the shot in question that everybody references, it was over Duncan. Um, I mean, and just, you know, a couple of things that happened late in that sequence where he began to cook and try to close that gap late by himself. Um, there were just a couple of wanky sequences where he just always fell into an optimal matchup in one of his spots. And you have to, I'm not going to say imagine or believe, but you have to wonder at least if that's by design. The Heat are saying, can he beat us? Now, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that that's what they're doing. I'm just thinking about it all out loud because you all did mention something, but I will say this. Even in that run where he was absolutely cooking, creating, making shots, being the guy that get the hockey assists, whatever, whatever. Yeah, they made a run, but that ultimately wasn't enough to propel them. If you got a guy like Giannis out there, he make one three and then he have, you know, three hard drives with an and one. Like that gap's closed and that's the type of momentum that kill you. And I, again, that anything I'm saying is right or that I know or that, you know, I see that or whatever, whatever. But I'm wondering out loud because we did see that. Um, and perhaps what we're seeing is a function of what they're allowing to happen. Now, when you right. think about the game overall, I think that you all both mentioned great points. Um, of course, Jimmy Butler showed up. The others showed up. It's unfortunate about Tyler Hero. The guys made shots. Um, and I mentioned that pre-pod in a little discussion, and I'm going to be brief about it here, not as in-depth as I went there. But it's like traditionally over the last couple of years, even though they've like almost progressively got worse trajectory-wise, the shooting has been worse each year over the last three or four years, over the last three or four years, they've been one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, and they've been a good three-point shooting team in the regular season, but that shooting hasn't consistently come through in the postseason for them. Now, in this regular season, they were a average to bad three-point shooting team, and at times, that little stretch out of, right out of the All-Star break, they were like one of the worst three-point shooting teams below the floor in neptitude from outside. So perhaps we're seeing a situation now where that's flipping back the other way. And I'm posing a bunch of hypotheticals. I'm not telling you what's happening. I'm telling you what, like, you can see happening based on what has happened. And sports, based on all projections, are just, like, looking at trends and figures and old data and current stuff that you're seeing live and trying to make projections. So that's what's happening here. 
But at the same time, that's very likely. So if they can make shots, um, then they can compete with anybody. And that's even with Tyler Harrow's injury. But I'll say this. What happened in game one with Jimmy Butler almost triple-double, 35 points, 11 assists. Yeah, only five rebounds. But, you know, still, that's close enough for him. Um, three steals. And then you got Bam almost triple-doubling as well with 22 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. Um those are the type of performances that you're going to need, especially with Tyler Hero out. But those are the type of performance I think they're capable of. And if you think about the whole thing we were talking about, the whole mouse to feed thing, where it was a small debate early in the season, and I was on the far side, um, whether Tyler Hero should still come off the bench. Why was that? Because it allows Jimmy and Bam and those other three guys around them to maximize themselves. And you, you know, save some of your firepower for the bench. And even though Tyler Hero is firepower that you can absolutely optimize and deploy correctly, you won't have that off the bench. But that first unit may take a slight jump in that facet. And you saw it come to fruition with all of the BAM activity and touches in the second half. Um, now, for that second unit, there are answers there, too, because as I mentioned pre-pod as well, you have guys like Duncan who's going to see more minutes. You have guys like Depot who's sitting there, I don't know if Spoh's going to go to him, but his streaking has shown to be shooting where he can hit his, oh, I back was that. His shooting has shown to be streaky recently where he can hit a couple in a row, and we know what Depot has been in his past. Um, so, you know, there there's a little uh, optimism there, and there are things that we still have to figure out. But based on what we saw in game one, if they keep playing hard, keep doing the little things that everybody has mentioned and that we've all talked about, um, you know, we're going to see. Right, and Lola, is there anything that you want to add? Um, Basically, like, I think for this series, like, what's most important is shooting. Like, if we can consistently shoot, we're one of the best teams to me in the league, like, in the playoffs, especially when Jimmy is also at the same time getting whatever he wants. And I think another important thing is to get Bam going early, like, instead of trying to Instead of letting him try to get himself going, like actually actively the team has to try to get him going, get him in the right spots. He needs to get out of his head, but like the team also needs to help him get to the right spots, get him the ball. And I feel like another thing, like with the Tyler injury, yeah, like it sucks, but it might also help us in other ways because I feel like there'll be more ball movement. It won't be like as much dribbling around going on, better defense, like. But, yeah, the role players are going to have to step up. Like, we're going to need, like, two, three, four role players to step up every night like they did last night. Right. And I just want to, like, come in for a quick second. Like, I cannot stress how much the shooting is going to be important for Miami because, you know, I saw an interesting stat after last night's game, which kind of really stood out about, you know, this win for the Heat. And it's the fact that last night's playoff game, was um the second in the last 10 years where one team was able to shoot above 60% from the three-point line, obviously that team being Miami, while the other team shot less than 25%. And it was so, like I said, it was the second time in the last 10 years. And it's crazy the fact that this was such a rare occurrence. And I don't know, man, like I, this makes me, you know, look into two questions that Miami needs to address if they want to go deep into this playoff run. And it's the fact that obviously Miami needs to see, you know, can they be consistent with their shooting? Because that's been something we've been on them for since the beginning of this season. And if they want to have a legitimate chance against Milwaukee, they definitely need to address that. And then another thing is simply you know, even if Milwaukee is hitting their threes, you know, in other words, I'm not saying they they got to make like 50 threes a game, but, you know, if Milwaukee is, you know, shooting above 25% for like the remainder of this series in each game, can Miami still find a way to continue winning? And, you know, and even if they can't win, at least stay afloat and take part in what could be a close game, you know, ways that, ways in which it doesn't seem like the game is already decided like halfway through. That's going to be what's important for the Heat. And I don't know. Like, what I've seen from the regular season with the Heat is that this is a team that's able to hold their comp- 
when it comes to the Bucks specifically, at least, when when the Bucks are hitting their threes, Miami would hang on with them. Like I'll never forget the first game we played against them. Milwaukee hit twenty two threes, and we were able to beat them by six. So that shows me and a couple other games that we're able to stay afloat even if Milwaukee is hitting their shots. So I'm not too concerned about that. It mainly goes into that first question I mentioned. So overall, like if the Heat can just shoot consistently and just manage to continue playing at a high level, even if the Bucks happen to have a really hot night from the three-point line, then I really think they can make the best out of this series. It's just a matter of can Miami step in and do their thing. And, like, Kay, like, is there anything that you want to add into this? Yeah, I had three things to close up really quickly with. And there's one that you said, one that Lola mentioned, and then one that neither of us actually touched on. Um, to Lola's point, the offense absolutely changes with Tyler Hero. And that's what I'm trying to – without Tyler Hero. And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. You can't look at the situation in a vacuum as if we're just going to try to plug and play somebody into that same role that Tyler Hero play or that the offense is going to run the same way. Like things are going to change. So guys are going to find themselves in different spots, their optimal spots, because those touches aren't there for Tyler Hero. The ball is moving differently because Tyler Hero isn't doing his thing. The ball is coming to you from different angles, in different spots. You're getting guys from different areas. So, it, you know, that change may be, Actually, I'm not going to say maybe. When you think about the Miami Heat shooting the ball at their best, it was off a of ball and man movement. That's what it's always it. That's what it always is for them when they're at their best. Um, so to to your point, Lola, like I, I think that's going to be productive. And even at even if I wouldn't go as far as say it's going to be better for them, I don't think it's going to hurt them as much as everybody says it's going to hurt them. Even though you're going to need more from, you know, Jimmy and Bam in key moments because Tyler Hero made big shots. But if you can get guys like Kyle Laurie and Kevin Love to keep stepping up, they can make, you know, two or three more big shots a game or every other game that can help offset that, and you may not even notice it. It's just a theory there. Now, to your point that I mentioned, Joel, the shooting and the defense that they play on the Bucks. Yeah, even when the Bucks get hot, they still found a way to keep it close and sometimes come out on the right side of it. But if you look at last night's game, um, the Bucks shot 11 of 45 from three, right? While the Miami Heat shot 15 of 25. So not only did the Miami Heat shoot the three with a high efficiency, but they played really good defense on the Bucks because the Bucks gave themselves – 50 chances at the app like 50 bites at the apple proverbially it's like when you shoot that many threes but you can only make 11 of them that's because the other team is playing defense so um i, I think you both made great points there and lastly as far as Giannis back goes even if he comes back to play look man a back is a back is a back your back connected to everything so even if he gets enough treatment where it feels good enough for him to start his moves or start off the game you know, feeling like Giannis, Giannis hit the floor a lot. Giannis bump around a lot. All it's going to take is one floor hit or somebody to check that back one time, which should happen immediately, you know, one way or another, hip check, you know, a little hard forearm, whatever, whatever, nothing dirty, just check that back. Um, however he goes about it, you know, we he's not going to be the same because even if it's not a physical pain, there's going to be a mental thing he's not going to be himself because like with the injury he looked like he sustained and what they're reporting that don't just go away that's not going to heal until after basketball is done so he's just going to have to manage that and it's one of those crazy things because the back is connected to every part of your body right and one thing i just yeah. want to come in and say like oh i'll let you up in lola but like quick thing with the injury is that the Bucks have always had this history of playing Giannis, even when it's like a legitimate injury. So it's like, that's another reason why where it's like, not only is it because it's a back injury and like you mentioned, Kay, you know, it's such an important part of your body and functions so much that, um, functions so much of your body when you play a game like basketball, but you know, also, I mean, knowing this team and their track history and constantly having this guy play and play through the injuries he's dealt with in the past and taking that risk with him, like, it wouldn't shock me at all that I saw today that 
they were getting ready for him to play in this game too. Like, of course, you'd expect it from this team of all because I'm not trying to say they negligent, but come on. Like, I know they tried to play him in the bubble when he had that ankle injury, I believe it was, against the Heat. And then they, and then he ended up getting, he ended up aggravating the injury even more. So he had no choice but to sit out a game five, which we ended up winning. And then you look back into um the year they won the championship when he um I think he like hi- hyperextended the knee I believe and you know I yep, mean and yep. he, even though and I think part of it he was also willing to take the risk as well but you know Milwaukee could have easily told him no and while it did pay off for them as they ended up winning a championship the risks that came with him playing with that type of injury was beyond like you know what's the word I'm looking for beyond unreal and they're just lucky that they didn't have and they're just lucky that it paid off for them and that they didn't have to pay any major consequences whatsoever and they didn't snap that leg in half exactly so like with that all being said like what what was it that you wanted to say lola oh yeah i mean yeah like as far as Giannis goes like it's probably like he's pushing to play and then they're also like they also want him to play because you know like Miami, like, Miami stresses them out. Like, we're not one of those teams they can take lightly. So, losing another game against us, going down two for them, like, that's very stressful for them. So, that's probably why they're, like, rushing him back. And I agree that it's going to impact his play, like, at least for the first few games. Like, for the first one or two game, uh, him being back, like, we have to take advantage of the fact that he's not going to be 100%. And also, like, I just had a question for Kay. Like, because I know he was mentioning, like, how like the strategy for Miami is probably to let Middleton get whatever he wants and then maybe shut everyone else down or shut Giannis down and let everyone else beat us. So what do you think the strategy that Miami is going to go forward knowing that Giannis is going to play and Middleton is probably going to have these games? Whether it is to like shut Giannis down and let everybody else go off or let Middleton go off and shut everyone else down. I think that's why checking Giannis's back is so important because I do think a lot of your attention early on shifts back, shifts to Chris Middleton um, because of what he did and because you don't know how effective Giannis is and if he's just a decoy. I do think Spo is smart enough to go in there with a contingency plan because I will admit that the Miami Heat aren't the greatest at adjusting mid-game. So, um, and, and that's not a Spo thing because I think Spo is great. I think the team has a problem making big adjustments and I can't put my finger on that. Um, so I won't even begin to try to like, you know what I mean? Tell you what that thing is, but it's, it's just, sometimes you don't see it when it's like, why aren't y'all adjusting to the fact that this is occurring? You know, it just doesn't happen um, as quickly as you would like to, not that they're incapable of that, that they don't, it just doesn't happen, happen as quickly as it needs to. So I think that going into the game, they'll probably shuffle a little more attention to Chris Middleton to begin the game at least until they figure out where Giannis is, how far along he is, what he can do and what he's willing to do. Because you can't let Chris Middleton get them out to a place where Giannis can then allow them to coast and take the game late. Sounds good. good. Right. And, like, you know, with that all being said, just – I just now want to shift tension to what we got ahead of us with this Tyler Hero injury because in case you guys didn't hear, Tyler Hero will be out for four to six weeks. Um, I forgot the specifics of the injury. All we know is that two fingers specifically um, did get fractured. And I just want to know, like, how do you guys feel knowing that not only will Tyler Hero be out for this series, but for potentially, I wouldn't say the remainder of the playoffs, but at least definitely for the second round if Miami was to make it there. Like, what's y'all's takes on this, and how do you guys view this playoff run differently now that Tyler is not going to be part of it? For Well, at least for the most of it. Uh, we'll start off with you, Kev. Well, I think I kind of addressed that, you know, on the last topic, right? I think other guys have to step up. I think this offense is going to change. I think that it just allows top 15 to continue to show you why he's top 15. And that's Coach Spo, if you don't know. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's just going to give other guys the opportunity to step up. And I think we have those guys. And I don't know if many people think that we do. Um, but I really think that we have those guys. I think 
like this is a perfect opportunity. This is the reason you signed Depot because you know what Depot is capable of doing when given the opportunities. Um, and I think that instead of having him come in and try to fit what they were running, you know, for other ball handlers such as Tyler, this is an opportunity for them to try to get him into something where he can be his most effective. I think, again, you you bring in a guy like Duncan who only, you know, made one shot um, on, on yesterday in game one or whatever, but that shot was like one of those big momentum shots where he pumped the guy, let him go past it nail the shot just like you would expect him to. You look for him to get more opportunities. I just think the overall offensive approach is going to change. I think the Miami Heat can play through their best players like they did yesterday with Bam is being assertive, aggressive, and taking those opportunities, and the team is making sure that he puts himself in a position to be assertive and aggressive, which is why Kyle Lowry is so important, because even if you're not getting the offense from him, I think that what he offers the team is something that I've been nailing home for a long, long time, even among all the criticism, and I've joined in on the criticism from an overall point production standpoint but what you can't not see is the fact that he still accelerates pushes dictates the pace um while he also puts guys where they're supposed to be you see him pointing guys out you see him jogging around the court you know with his little slow bob so he's like okay i'm supposed to be here oh no you go over there like he's still like he's and he puts guys in their position he's a point guard like he's still a good point guard even if that doesn't mean he's not giving you you know, the point production, which you want from him, especially what they're paying him, especially the situation, especially what he teases you with sometimes, 33 in the first play-in game. Um, so I think they're going to be good there. Um, I will say this, and I'm going to get up out of here and let Lola get her take on this. Four to six weeks sound like just in time for the finals to me. Love it. I love the optimism from UK. That's why I love doing these parts with you, because just when you think it might be the end of the world or whatever when news like this comes out like you always know what this is so shout out to you man and lola what's on your mind well first thing i want to put out is that tyler did lead the the team in field goal attempts for the season so that's a big hit on offense but like Kay mentioned like it could actually help us in a way because what Tyler does sometimes is like he dribbles in circles and slows the games down and it, and it's not helpful for our shooters and like the role players because they need the ball to keep moving and they need to get to their spots. Like everyone needs to get to their spots and sometimes he stagnates the offense and it doesn't help us. I think the main thing is if we're shooting well, Tyler's impact will be will be reduced. When we're not shooting, like when our role players are not shooting well, we have to rely on Tyler more to take on that shooting um, load. So it just, it's going to depend on Max. It's going to depend on Kevin Love. It's going to depend on Kyle Lowry. Like it's going to depend on all these and Duncan Robinson. It's going to depend on them to be able to carry that shooting load. Cause we still need to be able to shoot our threes um, in today's league. But what I really like about this is that it could potentially also increase field goal attempts of both Jimmy and Bam and specifically Bam. Like, I feel like we could focus on Bam more trying to get him to his spot. Um, put more attention on him because honestly, I would rather have more shots out of Jimmy and Bam than the shots that Tyler gets 10 times out of 10. And also on the defensive end, teams can no longer have another player that they could just, you know, hunt consistently over and over again. We know how horrendous Tyler is at defense. And if we uh, plug in Depot, for example, instead of Tyler, that would dramatically change our defense. So and, like, one less, you know, person for them to hunt. So I feel like, yes, it is going to take a hit, but at the same time, there are so many ways for us to compensate and for it to not impact us as long as our role players show up and our stars play like they have played in game one. Right. And, oh, I mean, before I say what I say, this, uh, Kate, do you have anything else you want to add or – Okay, so I'm gonna. Nah, I mean, I think I was, I was. No, I'm sorry about that. I, I was just like, <laughs> you're good. I mean, nah, I want you to say what you're gonna say. Then let me say something after that. All right, got you. <laughs> so all I'm gonna say is this: like, obviously, it sucks when you're missing a guy like Tyler, one of your max guys. Um, but hopefully, this can get, as you mentioned, K earlier, get uh, get some of the other guys going, and you know, I think. Listen, and it's not a knock against Tyler, so don't. It might seem like it the way how I say it, but at the end of the day, like you mentioned, um, Lola, 
this was a guy that was leading the Heat in field goals. And, you know, he wasn't really winning a lot of games anyways. So, you know, why not experiment with something new and just see what uh, the other guys could do and just go from there? Because if the formula wasn't exactly working out when Tyler was leading this team in field goal attempts and now he's out, like, it wouldn't hurt to at least experiment and see what we can do from there. And, you know, with this type of injury, I expect Coach Spo to just cook up something good for the squad and, you know, make sure that even with his injury that they're still going to be able to go out there and play at their very best. So while it does suck to see him injured, especially because you never want to see any of your guys go down in the playoffs, this could definitely open up opportunities for the Heat. And we all know how the squad is with that next man up. we got enough mentality. So I'm just going to take a deep breath and take this game by game as I'm assuming everyone else is. And we'll just go from there. And, K, go ahead and say what you got to say. I mean, I just expect to see, you know, a lot of driving dish. I expect to see a lot of Bam pushing coast to coast. I want to see a lot of Bam triple threat. Um, I need to see a lot of everything on that one wing and, you know, Bam and, and Jimmy, you know, operating on that opposite wing like it was yesterday where he caught, it was in the first half and this one pissed me off, but I'm not talking about Bam because he came back and he showed up in the second half and I made a point to emphasize that like Bam shut me up in the second half and that he was assertive and that's all I asked. And if you do your job and at the end of the day, your job is done to the best of your ability. I'm not going to criticize you for what was the pass. I mean, what was ultimately the pass as long as you made it right in that same instance, which is in that same game. But again, like I said, that that gives me a mentality of, well, I can't see what I saw from you in that first half ever again. But I say this to say there was a play in the first half where Jimmy was like almost begging for Bam to come show um, on the opposite block. And they, everybody, I mean, you just kind of had two shoot three shooters on the far side and you had Bam ISO on the block. I think it was Lopez on down there with him. And you had uh, Jimmy on the far side wing just kind of like begging him to come over and show and seal. Um, and, you know, people say, Bam, sorry too late, but I'm thinking to myself, well, you shouldn't. Like, your assertiveness should have you, like, waiting for that moment. But um, I think that as long as, you know, those guys can get to the things they do best. And, and, and give me some Duncan and Bam DHO, man, because what I've consistently said is not only, you know, does that put Duncan in a position that he's familiar with, an opportunity to make some shots, but he still bends defenses. Three guys looking at Duncan whenever he's on the floor. There's always a guy in his hip. There's another guy ready to go get in his hip. And like I said, there's another guy with their eyes on him. But the thing about it is when Bam is coming off of that, and if he keeps, which he should be doing more now because, you know, he's more assertive or whatever, but it automatically puts him in his optimal offensive position, which is the triple threat. And I've long said Bam in the triple threat is a terror because it is. He can hit you with the jump shot. He's skilled enough to go past you. And then once he gets to the cup, he's strong and athletic enough to make you look bad. So it automatically puts him in that power position with a head of steam, able to, you know, do what he wants to do to the defense in certain times. And I think there'd be no better time than to, you know, see it yank back out of the tool chest um, and have the dust blown off it like now. So that's just what I wanted to add there. Wait, right. um, I want to ask uh, real quick. Sorry, I want to ask real quick because they're going to have Giannis back, right? And Bam was already kind of struggling with without Giannis there. With him back, do you think that's going to, like, impact the way he's going to, you know, play? And also, like, how could they get him going despite having Giannis and Brooke in the paint at all times? I think that's why it's important that you now make sure that you're playing Bam a lot at that high area, because not only do that give him a chance to survey, but it's going to pull one of those guys out. And that's also, again, the importance of checking Giannis's back, because depending on how good that back is, that's going to determine how much he does on defense and your attack. Because if that's the case, you're going to want to have Jimmy operating in that mid post area and Bam off in the dunker spot, kind of like in that baseline area. Once whoever penetrates the paint, preferably Jimmy, penetrates that situation if Giannis isn't as mobile or agile as you've seen him then that's going to leave Bam one-on-one with Brooke to do what he did mostly for the second half but if Giannis is still getting out I think that's also going to be an optimal opportunity for everybody else to try to attack that paint so again it's just based on how Giannis is playing what he feels like 
But I think that's where, you know, that assertiveness and what we've all talked about is going to really play a major part. You're going to need these guys to get the touches and the shots because not only are you looking at their point production, but you're looking at how they can manipulate the defense, especially considering what, you know, we are all aware of, what you just mentioned specifically, those two guys being able to control the paint on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree that they're probably going to just dare Bam to shoot, and he's going to have to do it because if if he's not willing to do it, then they're just going to continue to pack the paint. Then he needs to figure out a way to get Brooke a little bit away from the paint, and the only way he could do that is to make those mid-range, high-post shots. And on top of that, like if our shooters are shooting the way they shot the first game or like even close to that, that'll open up the paint way more because it'll just create way more spacing for us, so... And see, that's the thing about that. I think that what he was able to do, not necessarily, and, and I, you know, mid-range is overarching. I guess it covers all the area, but, you know, like one step inside the mid-range, not quite at maybe like seven, eight feet. What he was able to do there in the second half against Lopez is what should really impress you. And that's why I'm saying Giannis's status is important because if you can get Bam those one-on-one matchups that he exploited yesterday, not only can he do that, but you see what that may open up for him, including that, you know, a step back mid-range game that we're also talking about, which then opens up the blow by possibilities. I mean, all of that is so important, but I think that's dictated upon how much Giannis is giving you or how you decide to attack him too. And, you know, just to like chime in real quick, I mean, like there's going to be so much to expect in the remainder of the series, especially in game two. And like, I just want to quickly ask, you know, as we're getting ready to like wrap this pod up, like, how do you guys feel about game two? What is y'all's expectations? Because obviously now, and you know what, let me rephrase this differently. Cause I was about to say this game specifically would be a dog fight, but we all know this whole series is going to be a dog fight. So that really doesn't help it. But you know, we know this game specifically is definitely going to be one where Milwaukee is going to try hard because obviously they, they do not want to go 0-2 and then play the next two games in Miami, especially when you go up against Jimmy Butler and the rest of the dogs they got on that Heat team. So with that being said, and also just like a quick thing to mention about Giannis because we were talking about the injury that I just wanted to simply mention, the fact that they feel the need to play Giannis in this series tells you everything you need to know because I guarantee you that if they was playing the Hawks, they would not care to put that man back into the series because they knew that they'd be able to handle the job without him. So the fact that it's the Heat and they know that they need a guy like Giannis to go up in there and do his thing, you know, even if he's not 100%, that tells you how much they fear Jimmy Butler and how much they fear the squad, even if we are an eighth seed. And that's one thing that I want everyone in this world to understand because everyone's been slandering the squad. And I get it. The season hasn't been ideal, but these teams do not have the squad messed up. They know what they're about. And that's why they out here having Giannis play, even if he's not 100%. But I'm sorry, I kind of went off topic by mentioning that. But with that being said, what is y'all's expectations for this game two for Miami? And what do you guys think is going to need to happen for Miami to possibly go 2-0 and and head back to Miami for games three and four? Uh, we'll start off with you, Lola. Um, My expectations, first off, is, like, I have low expectations for us to win this game only because, like, I – like even stealing one game against the Bucks, um, is was like good enough. Like that's what we were supposed to do. That's our job. Just steal one at their home, and then we go back. Now, if we steal two, I mean, it would be optimal because if you really think about it, um, if they do have Giannis back, this is probably gonna be his worst game. You know, like as time goes, he'll get better and better, and the back is gonna feel better and better, um, unless he like re-injures it. So. I'm thinking, like, take advantage of the fact that he's probably not going to be 100% and go all out. I think what takes what it takes for us to win this game is, again, shooting. Like, if we shoot really well, it opens up everything for Jimmy and Bam to do anything that they want in the paint. So shooting is really important. Role players stepping up is very important. Like, I, I have all confidence that Jimmy is going to show up every time. Like, I just, I have so much confidence in that man. I think Bam needs to play better, especially because Tyler is um out. And so he has to take on that load. So I need Tyler to play. I mean, I need Bam to play way better um, from the jump. Like, I, I need to see him 
you know, with confidence, trying to get shit going from the jump. Sorry for that cuss word. Um, for Leap. <laughs> Default, like, I, I cannot wait. Hello, like, hello. I just, I really, really hope that they do play Depot because he needs this. Like, and um, I want him to take on that role that Tyler is going to, you know, leave behind. Like, I need, I want to see him on the defensive end. Like, I want to see him guard Drew Holiday. Like, I want to see that matchup. Like, so that's what I want to see. Uh, and also, like, play defense the way you've been playing. Be locked in. Like, I don't even care how they shoot. I just want to see effort. If you show effort and energy on the defensive end, it'll work out for you 90% of the time. And it worked out for them last night. So just keep that intensity, keep that focus, be locked in. And I have confidence that we can at least keep it close. And whatever happens, happens. Right. And Kay, how about you? Listen, I'll say this. If they can shoot between 37 and 38%, they can win no matter who's on the floor from three. If they can shoot that from 37 to 38 from three, no matter who's on the floor, they can win. Now, the less effective Giannis is from that back, the lower that number goes for them to get a guaranteed win. But if they can shoot 37% or better from three, oh, they can win anyway. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, and I say that because I don't know how healthy Giannis is. And if Giannis is 75% or better, then the game's 50-50. But I don't think that they're going to blow us out by any means. I hope they clarified it. I know I said a lot there, but I hope that was pretty clear. Mm -hmm. And one thing I just want to ask is, um, who do you guys think is going to – what do you guys think the starting lineup is going to be? Like, do you guys think Max Drews just simply takes the um, role of the starting starting shooting guard and they just play someone from the bench to play power forward? Like, how does that work? Uh, Kay, give me your prediction. I think you insert Duncan into that two-man role. Ooh. All right. Because this is the thing for me, right? Because Caleb and Kevin were both cooking for the heat off the bench, and it's like, while people have been saying you can put them in the starting lineup, it's like, I just don't know because it's like, they they play their best when they come off the bench. So it's I, I it makes me skeptical because okay, you put them in the starting lineup and that's fine, but you know, how much are we how much are we gonna get from them? And I know guys like Caleb plays still had a good season even when he played as as the um starting power forward. But even then, I think we can all agree that bench Caleb is a lot better than um, starting power forward, Caleb. Like Lola, how about you? Like, what's your prediction for the starting lineup? I, I personally thought that they would probably move Max to Tyler's role and then bring Caleb into the starting lineup to play the four. And um, and if not, maybe they'll start Kevin Love like <laughs> next to him. Like I could see that, or they could um, and then obviously move Max to the where Tyler is, or they could start Depot which I don't see happening because they didn't even play him. But I don't know if Duncan is – like, because if Duncan starts, that's Duncan and Max on the defensive end that I am not confident in. And I know Tyler is also bad on defense, but he's kind of active, whereas Duncan just makes a bunch of stupid mistakes that I don't really want to see, like, on in the starting lineup. So I don't, I don't know. Unless they, they could also move – no, I don't see Kyle getting moved. Yeah, it, it's literally, like, I think it's Caleb or Kevin Love. And then my goal depot. But I don't see it being Duncan. I don't know why. I just don't. Because I know how Spo is with Duncan. And I don't see him giving him a starting role. Right. And let's see. Kay, you got anything you want to say about that? Well, so here's the thing. Like, when you look at what they started with in the second half yesterday, it was Duncan. But also, Spo also doesn't like to tinker with what he think works. And I think you all, what, what we've also been, all been mentioning, or at least what I hit on um, early on, was the bench production is still going to be important. So you really don't want to shift around that bench too much and allow them, as you, I think as Joel just mentioned, like about Caleb, um, an example, you really don't want to mess with what they have going on there because they're so productive there for you. So I think that Duncan, not only do you give him a chance to see how effective he is from a spacing and shot-making perspective, because if he's nailing his shots, you can live with his defense, which has gotten better and nobody's giving him credit for. I, I encourage you to watch him and don't hold him to the same stereotypes or archetypes as a defender. 
because like his main problem was getting real handsy and just putting his hands in places that he haven't. And as an extended opportunity and in his extended opportunities over the last two weeks or so, the man is literally playing with his hands behind his back. And that's causing him not to get so many incidental whistles. He's having several good stretches of possession at the time. I'm not saying he's a good defender or he's a great defender or anything like that. But what I'm saying is he's not doing the stupid stuff that has caused you to be like, man, he can't even be on the floor because he gets too handsy. So like I said, if he can still help create that space for Bam and Jimmy and knock down those shots, then that's a plus. But even if he gets in there for the first couple of minutes and, okay, it's like, Duncan, you're getting real handsy. Duncan, you ain't making no shots. Duncan, you're cluttering things up. The space isn't working. Then he's just a placeholder because he wasn't playing anyway, so he doesn't affect your rotations. Then you go try your depot. Okay, then when you go deploy your starting unit, if you feel like none of that's working, you could then start to tweak it, and then you move into, okay, let's do spoke things and get crazy. But as far as, like, starting him, it's sort of like, you know, throwing a rock in two ponds, and, you know, one of them – I'm well, throwing a bait in two ponds. One of them might be the big bass. One of them might not have no bites. But if you catch the big bass, that's a plus. But if you don't have no bites, you can always go back to what you had in the first place, which in this case would be trying depot and then shifting your rotation based on the things that you guys have said. That's a great point that you did make, though, because Spo does not like to um do too much with his rotations. And I could see that, that he would want to keep the Caleb, Kevin Love, and Kyle Lowry, like those three, on the bench for bench production. So I completely agree with that point, And that could be the reason why those two would stay on the bench. Like, that's a really great point. Um, in that case, it will probably come down to Duncan or Depot. Right. And I want to see Depot. Like, I just want to see I mean, Depot, right, but, but, yeah. but, don't, but, like, when you like Depot is like a targeted defensive missile, because um, Depot is a wild card, and we mentioned streakiness, but it's not just, like, with Duncan, right. your streakiness is, like, shooting. But Depot could really get busy everywhere on the court if he has it turned on. So I think as an X-Factor like trying to work him in off the bench. Even if he gets the lion, lion share of the minutes after it's all said and done with, or after he show you what he got that game, I just think deploying him there um, is better because that's where he's been most productive. Um, well, you know, I will, you can use those last couple of games where he was like the feature guy, but you know, those are throwaway right. games. Nobody's playing, I guess. Also, another right. thing with Depot is that he, like like Duncan, I guess like this could be a point for both of them is that they, they're really, they could really help him. Um, get to his spots well Depot can help him with pick and rolls and then Duncan obviously dribble hand off so Booyah. either of them would be helpful for Ben yeah and I just gotta say like shout outs to you Lola because one thing about you is you go and defend your man's, your man's Depot no matter what so yes, sir. free Depot if Spo don't play that man I'm off this team yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I, and I was screaming for it yesterday I'm like yo you, you gotta go to Depot at some point um, because I mean, look, Drew Holiday is literally catching and he old man and gay. Like he not giving him no moves. He like looking over both shoulders. I right, I got space. It's just me and him. I'm a dribble. I'm a turn right around. I'm gonna keep my elbows up because he ain't gonna put his face in. And I'm gonna shoot this little nine foot jumper over his head. He did that like three times and it was cash. And I'm like, all right, look, you got to do something about this. What they need to do is get. Okay, use Depot for defense and and use him a bit less. Like, don't have him dribble too much on the offensive end. Like, I get that he causes turnovers, and that was, like, the main reason why he lost his minutes. But, like, that's because they were giving him that point guard role. And just don't give him that point guard role. And just have him for the defensive end. And I think he could be impactful in that way. So here's the thing. He's a good creator. It's the initiation part that bothers you. So, like, if you put him in a position where he's coming off of action and maybe ends up at the top of the key for four or five seconds to see if he can make some things happen for himself or one of his teammates, okay, that's cool. But you don't want him to be the guy bringing the ball across to make the first pass or to try to make something happen off the first action exactly. because that's where he's exactly. gotten in trouble. Exactly, exactly. Because I do still want to see his playmaking. Like, they just need to find a way to use him because we're really, like, wasting his defensive talent just sitting on the bench when we need defense out of him, you know? Right. And, and with that being said, like, I feel like we've tackled so much on today's episode. Great win by the Heat overall. And hopefully they can keep this going. Before we close it out, is there anything else you guys want to say before we call this an episode? Uh, it's still he and five.
All right, all right. I hear. I feel. I'm, I'm with that. I'm you. with that. We're going to the finals. We're going all the way to the finals. We take it home straight like that. And I now, think we got the 18th pick based on the situation that I'm seeing. Don't quote me, but I think you know how it was like a ping yep. pong situation because of yeah, the tiebreaker. Yep. Yeah. So we got the 18th pick. I won't say he in five because a funny story is is that a cu- a couple seasons ago when we first started this pod and we. We did a whole episode to get people ready for Heat versus Bucks, and literally everyone was feeling the guts and all predicted Heat in five. And y'all know how that went down. So like, I- I'm not gonna say it. Like you know, y'all was, was that, the, that was episode. that the sweep year? Yeah. So like, <sighs> I, <laughs> I mean, like I'm not gonna say it, but like since y'all wasn't on that episode, I don't think the curse applies to y'all. You know, hopefully doesn't apply to this podcast, but like I'm not gonna say because I don't know if it, if it was me or anyone else that was on that episode specifically that jinxed it. So I want to play it safe for this team and not say anything. But with that all being said, though, um, I just gotta say though, this is actually the 100th episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. So thank y'all so much for all the support throughout episodes one to 100. Much love to each and every one of y'all listening to this, along with our amazing team for continuing to show up and do their thing for each episode that we've put out. And also, um, with that all being said, thank you, and we're going to keep this going throughout the playoffs. We'll be on the mic after every Miami Heat win. So if the Heat could win the championship, that means we still got at least 15 pods left to record before we wrap up this season. And aside from that, with that all being said, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of Heat vs. the World. Make sure y'all check us out on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at JoeKJacob underscore, Lola at EGY underscore Cole, and K at K underscore Seb underscore K. And make sure y'all check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to that. And make sure y'all also check out our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. We're coming out with new articles for this playoff run. And one of our main contributors is none other than Kay himself. Make sure to check it out. And make sure to check out his show and Miss Kane Breakdown. Him and Dean are going to be dropping a new episode really soon. Make sure to check out Culture Shock featuring Lola and many of our talented ladies over there. They're going to be coming out with something new very soon. And with that all being said, thank y'all so much for the support. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Miami Heat, let's keep it going. And aside from that, hit that music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.